Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are here back with Blurred Life with my wife. I am your host, Marshall, here with my lovely Courtney. Hey, baby. Hello. How you feeling? Um, It's Sunday and it I'm not ready for work. No. But whatever. At first, I thought this weekend was long uh, because we did some fun things on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. But now I'm just sitting here like, oh, shit, I got to go to work to, like tomorrow. So not happy about it. My life is crazy because I'm off one job tomorrow. <laughs> And I still got to work another job tomorrow. I forgot that it's a holiday. President's Day. No, President's Day? It's like President's Day or okay. something. Yeah. I don't know. But that's always fun. So I'm 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 half off tomorrow. Okay. Uh, which is nice. But otherwise, I'm very excited. We got um we got some guests today. We haven't done guests on the show in some time. So like ever, right? When's the last time we had someone on our show? Yeah, you're right. This might be this might be the first Ooh, time. It's the so, inaugural show for guests. Woo-hoo. Everybody, very excited. Welcome to the first ever um, Blurred Life with My Wife roundtable discussion. We went and saw on Friday Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania with the homies. We have a few of the homies here with us to continue that discussion and review. And um, you guys can unmute. You know, talk amongst, talk about yourselves, introduce yourselves, whoever wants to go first. I well, guess we'll go let's and... Let's keep it organized, yeah. Okay, let's let's go in the order. We'll let um, Nigel introduce himself. Nigel, what's good? What's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Nigel, and I am just a guy. <laughs> all righty, all righty, all right. We'll go down from that. We got Spider here. What's going on, fam? What's going on? I'm Spider. Uh, the real name is Courtney, but... That doesn't matter here. I'm Spider. Um, like Nigel said, he's just a guy. I'm just another guy. One of the nerds. And that's how we do it. All right. All right. All right. And last but not least. Uh, it doesn't matter that you're Courtney here because I am Courtney here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you, so you, you have a good point. So you're Courtney spider, here. Huh? I'm Spider everywhere. So that, that works out. You're Courtney here. I'm Spider everywhere. You, you're tall. Uh, okay. And last but not least. Uh, the good brother is here with us for the first time on the show, and he's also muted. Okay, there he is. Here, I am here, and unlike uh, my two uh, predecessors, there, I'm not just a guy. I am a conqueror. Oh. So, um, if I can introduce myself as Kendall the Conqueror, which I I I feel like I, that should stick from now on. Um, oh shit! Especially after this movie. Um, but yeah, so let's 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 go with that. Uh, I'm a very good friend of um, of the show. Uh, I watch, listen to, I should say, every episode. So definitely been waiting for this opportunity for for a good while to to discourse with my with my people. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So Kendall's so, opinion matters anything. more than the rest of you guys. Just so you know, because he listens to all the shows, um, and that's just how it goes. So, I mean, we'll let you talk, but if Kendall wants to interject or anything and ask for agreements, we're gonna be like, yeah, for sure. Whatever he said, Kendall the oh. Conqueror, Nigel and Spider, those two. Oh, like, I, I may be just a guy, but I do listen to the show as well. Nigel also, does listen to the show. I'm pretty sure Kendall's audio cut out before he was talking about the show because I couldn't hear anything he said. Um, I, I imagine it was something about I'm just a loser or something. Like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it, that's what it sounded like to me. I mean, he said something about maybe a conqueror, a conqueror of the short ones. Maybe I don't, I don't technically know. Maybe I don't. There's the a disrespect, the conqueror thing. 
the disrespect. But y'all, now that uh, everybody knows who we are, we're gonna have a good time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a short warm up. Um, I sent out the agenda. Y'all, hopefully, y'all had a time chance to peruse. But we all saw Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. We all have our thoughts. But before we get into that, I wanted to go around the table and get an idea of your cinematic tastes. So the question on the table, and we can begin with Kendall because he's the most consistent <laughs> listener, the most consistent listener. We can begin with Kendall. Kendall, what is your most upcoming uh, movie this year that you're excited about? Most, oh, my most anticipated. Most anticipated, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, now it does not have to be Marvel. Okay, so any any movie. Yeah. Okay. Um. Wow, that's actually that's a really good question. Um. I would say. Huh. Now, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording this in February, so. If there are movies by the time you're listening to this and we don't know about them, it's because they have not been announced yet. That's true. I would say I was actually, this is something very recent, actually. At the time this is being recorded, um, yesterday, um, The Marvels was actually pushed back from, I believe, (coughs) July to now November. November. And I'm really excited about that movie. Uh, It's bringing us, you know, the first, uh, on-screen appearance of um, of Iman as Miss Marvel, and also we're finally getting a a large, um, I guess, dosage of Monica Rambeau. Yeah. Uh, who I, I actually have a personal bias because my lovely girlfriend—that's her favorite Marvel character. Nice. Um, she couldn't join us today, but she sends her love. Next time. Uh, that that's probably my most anticipated on the scale of. I hope that they're able to kind of give more relevance to Captain Marvel because the first one I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they can do with this movie. So I would say that followed closely by Guardians of the Galaxy. So even though we're not specifically talking MCU, those are probably my top two most anticipated. Okay. 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 We will go then to Nigel. I know you got a couple of things that you might be thinking. What's your most anticipated this year? Um, actually, three movies. So, um, as you all know, I'm a huge DC fan. So I'm excited to see what they do with the Flash. Even mm. though I hope that this results in Ezra Miller being recast. Like you never know with the multiversal thing. It could be yeah. somebody who looks different enough. But the movie itself looks very intriguing. Um, outside <laughs> of comic book movies, I'm super excited. Well, I guess this is sort of a comic book thing. John Wick Four mm. and Creed. Okay. Creed. This is the third one. Yeah, third one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to see the. I need to see the second one. I don't think you've seen the first I've one. I've seen. I have seen none of them. Yeah. Which would be. I don't know. Do we have enough time in the day today to watch them? To we like can mention? watch at least the first one. Okay, I need to watch them. But Creed three looks good. But I think I'm just hyped up. Hyped up off of like brown skin muscles, Jonathan, Jonathan Majors. Majors yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. There's a lot of men in it. No, just yeah. kidding. But. um <laughs> The Flash, I agree with you on that one. I doubt they're going to request Ezra Miller because it looks like he did a good job. Or they did a good job. So, boo. Um, I also think that John Wick 4 is going to be dope. Oh, yeah. I forgot you said that one. That one looks good, too. Yeah. Spider, where you at? Most anticipated. I would have to say my two. Uh, I'll say two. Uh, 
out of comic book movies because I'm probably really anticipated about all of them. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to throw those all in one little little genre. So if I come off of that, I'll say my first anticipated would be John Wick Four. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll I'll find myself rewatching all three of those randomly just to watch them because I think that's probably me personally one of Keanu Reeves' best roles he's been in since The Matrix. Like that's just for me like he really did a lot to get into that role and like I can only now see him as that character at this current moment in time so I'm really kind of invested in seeing that and probably one that a lot of people might not be anticipated for but because I've seen every single one I just feel obligated to watch this one which is Fast 10 Mm. I just I've seen them all We've went from racing to spy stunt movie. Cars are doing kung fu. Like it's, it's been it's gone so many different directions. But because I've seen all of them, it's like all right, I gotta watch this one. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna end it here? Are we not gonna end it here? Like I kind of, I'm obligated to watch this one now. So I'm kind of anticipating on how they're gonna close this out. So, okay, fair. Fast um, Eleven is gonna feature Megatron as the boss. Wait, Fast 11? When are they it's, starting? This is Fast 10. He's saying I mean, after this. They only got one way to go. The trajectory they're going. Oh, yeah. It's, it's um, possible they can, you know, oh, see? And now that you said that, I forgot this. Is it coming out this year? Beast Wars. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was about to I was about to I was about to take the yeah. head off, like, you know, because <laughs> Ooh, I forgot. Yeah. nobody has said it. And I was like, Rise of the Beast, bitch. I forgot. Yeah, I, I forgot, but like that's probably my my favorite of the Transformers series mm-hmm. growing up because in, in forgetting nostalgic purposes, getting up at five in the morning to watch that at six in the morning before school started to talk about that on the bus. Yo, did you see what Optimus did? Like it was so it's kind of like that to kind of see how you take that take on that cartoon that that genre of the Transformers and throw it into what this Michael Bay universe of blowing everybody up but not killing everyone in a Transformers movie. Like, what are we doing with that? So, I'm curious. Yeah, very much uh, agreed there. Um, Beast Wars is my favorite iteration of Transformers. You get to see Cheetor. Yes, yes. And then that guy from yeah. Hamilton is in it, who also played Mars from She's Gotta Have It on Netflix. Yes, yeah. He's, um, he's one of the main characters. Him, yeah. Dominique Fishback. I think when that trailer came out my exuberance for the brand was reinvigorated because i i haven't seen the last transformers movie i think i might have passed on the last one i think the last one was the one with um marky mark mark Wahlberg. And well his daughter. it was bumblebee we, we saw yeah. that one but the last one was the bumblebee okay. which was supposed to be like the reboot it was supposed to be like the reboot of them kind of taking it back to why Bumblebee's been here so long mm-hmm. and how everything kind of started. So that's where I'm also curious with that. Are we going to continue? Now, yeah, that's, I was going to say that. With that. I, I think, now, don't quote me on this, but I saw that this movie is a sequel to Bumblebee, not a sequel to Correct. The oh. Correct. Okay. So, so, yeah, so that's, Bumblebee is a prequel reboot. This Bumblebee began a new trilogy or a new line and this movie Rise of the Beast is also still technically a prequel to the original 2007 Transformers film. Okay, how's that gonna work? Hopefully it will work well. I'm just there for Cheetor. Okay. 
Maybe they'll have the wiki grandfather in it. Maybe. I don't think it's that far back. I think it's like 90s right now, and Bumblebee was set in the 80s. But either way, yeah, that's my most way, uh, yeah. anticipated film. Babe, last but not least. <laughs> Me. Tis I. Um, <laughs> my most anticipated. I feel like... She's pulling up the notes, guys. I feel like the ones that everyone said, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking about them or they weren't at the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. Definitely John Wick 4 because uh, we love those movies. Yeah. I think outside of that, just because how the first one really not so getting away from John Wick, um, I really loved Dune. So Dune Part 2 I think it's in post-production right now and it's supposed to be coming out this year. So I'm really, I really am excited to see that yeah. and where that goes. Cause it was so good. Yeah. It was so beautifully shot. Um, and I just like Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, Zendaya, Zendaya. Zendaya. Um, so I'll yeah, be honest, you, you two are the first ones I've heard that, that really enjoy Dune. Oh, really? we watched it multiple times oh, when it came out on HBO max. Like we was, we was on it. It was great. So wait, you had other people who watched it that were like, nah, not about it? I would say of, in the forefront of my mind, like at least three or four people that I talked to about it after it came out were like, yeah, that was a snorefest. Okay. Same way. I could see that. I mean, it is kind of slow. I think, I, I think it is less exciting than the version that came out, I think, in the 80s. Um, but more in the spirit of the book. So if you like the book and you like those things, like, okay, how do you feel about Tolkien as far as, as a writer and then the translation into, Terrible. you don't like Tolkien at all? No. Okay, so I, that makes I'm sense. I'm going to say something controversial. I think <laughs> he was an awful writer. Really? His world building and making, like, okay, so let's be honest. He was... A racist. Yeah, that, <laughs> and that, that just makes things. Into, that didn't play into my perception of him okay. as an artist. Um, okay. I mean, most most white men back then were racist, so we'd, yeah. be, we'd be splitting hairs there. But whenever um, people talk about his content, they say, well, he was a world builder. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean he was a good storyteller. Because, mm-hmm. yes, he expanded the world with like the Silmarillion and all that. but the stories that he told, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, were they good or not in a vacuum? And I say no. Okay. I mean, so the point of me saying that is, if you don't like Tolkien, you're probably not going to like Dune. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. well, I actually tried to read the first book in the series and I couldn't get past the first chapter. I just, the writing style just, I don't know if it was too dated or if I'm just not. In The Lord of the Rings? No, he said no, 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 uh, Dune. Oh, Dune. Okay. Yeah, yeah. well, because I know that's, and I know that's a problem with The Lord of the Rings. Like, you have to get past yeah the first chapter but really like the first three chapters because it's really just setting up them having a birthday party for Frodo Baggins and it's long as fuck and you gotta like power yeah. through it to get to the good shit I so, couldn't do it I will say that I do despite the fact that I don't think he's a great writer I appreciate the contributions that what he did ended up having to fantasy because a lot of the stuff that people ended up creating due to their inspiration from Tolkien is dope yeah. Like my favorite character growing up, um, I don't know how to say his name, Driz Dorodin. I've only ever read it. But I mean he's like a dark elf in in the in the high fantasy vein of uh, a writer who was super inspired by Tolkien. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, 
those are it's valid valid i could see why people wouldn't really like dune it is kind of slow but and it's not as much action i guess as you would get from some other kind of fantasy sci-fi stuff i think it comes back to the marketing for dune because i feel like dune was marketed as like this space action epic or something like that but me and courtney like we're very much like lore whores (laughs) so we watched it we're just like oh my god the, the Bene Jesuit. Yeah, let's let's the look them up. The like let's let's look cool. up this. Let's look up that. Like I mean, so, but then again, my dad's old. I my did dad's spend like a month sci-fi. like watching lore YouTube videos after um after I saw the movie and some yeah. pretty cool I did too because I didn't I'll be honest, I didn't know much about it when I saw like I didn't know much about I knew it was a movie back in the day mm. and how everyone hated it, but then everyone loved it because of the time it was made and how it was made. And it kind of just a lot of it didn't make sense, but it made sense. But like when I watched, you know, the one that we have now, the one that came out on HBO Max, I think I fell asleep on it twice because me and Kendall, we, me and you was watching it. And because of because of the slow build up to it, it was like, OK, I'm into it because it looked beautiful. Yeah. But then it was like, oh, wait, I fell asleep. What happened? So it, it did really have a slow build. And by the time I got to the action point of it, it was OK, movie's over. So I think that's where, you know, Mar, you come into play with the marketing. It was marketed as this big, epic action space movie. Yeah. And I didn't get that until the end of it. So it was kind of like, for me, not knowing the lore and then having to learn the lore after the movie, I was like, okay, I'm I'm off it at this moment. Like, you got to give me something to get back into it. So mm-hmm. I, res- I respect you being antici- anticipated for it, but for me, it was like... <laughs> Is it gonna be another slow movie? Do I do I need to drink caffeine for this one? Like that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I don't know how to feel. Like I'm happy that my pick <laughs> generated conversation, but then I'm also like, everyone's telling me about how shit it is. So. Well, I think that part of it is our culture. So when we think about a sci-fi movie, we think of action, sky beams, chases, shooting, spaceship lightsabers. Yeah, lightsabers okay. and yeah, Star Who, Star Wars is Star probably Wars was, probably built that foundation. It was it was built yeah. off the foundation of that it world. Was. So because of that, people expect when you see something sci-fi or an extreme sci-fi movie, you expect to see action, and you aren't getting that. Even though I think that there is a trend happening that's starting to shift more towards sci-fi dramas. Like I don't know if you guys saw Jung E. That's more along that vein as well. I didn't see Jung E, but I feel like a movie that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about right now. And not even just sci-fi drama, but just bending a few more genres into sci-fi a little bit more was um, Ex Machina. I knew you were going to say that. Ex Machina was the shit. Ex Machina is a very underrated sci-fi movie, and and me, yeah. such a big sci-fi buff, I usually always recommend people to watch it. Mm. But I tell you to watch it with an open mind because it's not like you're going to get this, like you said, consistent uh, beginning to end action movie. It's not about that. It's actually about characters and and interactions between them, and and what is artificial intelligence, and what is consciousness, and what does it mean to live. It's it's. It's a very good film. I feel like Ex Machina was yeah. was much so much of a sci-fi suspense. It's um, the Turing thriller. test, right? I always oh, mix so up the Turing test and the Bechdel test. I think Turing is to see if machines if they can answer questions like humans, and Bechdel is if you can have a conversation without 
with women without centering men or mm. like bringing up men at all. You're about like to that. start a whole other tangent. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. But either way, um, yeah, uh, Ex Machina and her was another sci-fi um, kind of like genre bending because that was like a sci-fi love movie where a guy was falling in love with his AI. And the AI was played by uh, Scarlett Johansson. That shit was crazy at the end. That was creepy. But it was good. It was. Sir, I have a relationship with like five billion other people. And he was like, oh, it fucked him up. (laughs) Like, you're (laughs) not special. I gotta gotta check that out. Oh, sorry. Check it out. Oh, my bad. Joaquin Phoenix, ScarJo. Yeah. But yeah, y'all. Okay, so. Oh, wait, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say if you're going if you're gonna watch it, go with that with a grain of salt. A grain of salt and an open mind just to matter of fact, I'm not even gonna say that. If you can get through uh what was that? If you can get through certain episodes of Black Mirror, this will be fine. Yeah. I feel like her was kinda slow too. But um yeah, so Dune, John Wick four, um, and then I guess Creed three, but that's weird because I haven't even watched any other any of the other Creeds. Uh, funnily enough, an aside to the aside, um, because in Dune where they're mining spice and like that's the whole thing that's like powering the whole universe and stuff. Did you know there's an actual drug that's getting really popular in the United States called spice? I just thought that was funny. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So yeah. Well, he's hilarious because they they take that concept and um I just rewatched um Boba Fett recently. Yeah. Oh, the spice, yeah, yeah. Spice, that's the plot of Boba Fett. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Well, George wonder, Lucas and like. Wonder if that was inspired by Dune at all? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, George Lucas said that he was very much um in- influenced by Dune by Frank Herbert yeah. in in like, creating like, Star Wars. Oh, okay. So the Benny Jesuit are the Jedi's female cousins. They're the moms. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They they influence the Jedi. But all right, y'all. So that covers our most anticipated movies of the year, y'all. What are y'all most anticipated movies? If y'all got anything that's coming up that we missed, maybe something is, um, maybe something was announced that or given a date. Um, you know, reach out to us. Let us know. Otherwise. Uh, any final thoughts? Now let's move on to the meat and potatoes. All right, bet. Y'all, do me a favor. Mute real quick. Let's go ahead and play this trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I used to ask myself a lot of questions. Scott, you're at ex-con. How are you an Avenger? That doesn't make sense. But everywhere I go, people tell me the same thing. Thank you, Spider-Man. People still need help, Dad. That's why we made this. It's like a satellite for deep space, but Quanta. Wait, wait a minute. You're sending a signal down to the quantum realm. Turn it off. Now!
universe beneath ours. What are you so afraid of? There's something I never told you. This place. It isn't what you think. Yeah, I think most of us were. Like, yeah. Like Tyra Banks. I would say. rooting for you. Yeah, I definitely was rooting for the bad guy this time around. Then were we all there? I was was per se rooting for Kang as much as like, I was like, you know, I felt that kind of villain presence that he bought. So I was like more excited that... You know, this looks like it's going to be a very big menacing villain in this saga. I well, will say the the I did enjoy the movie, which we'll get into. But I feel like the trailer, it's supposed to be cinematic, which makes sense, was more. I feel like it had more stakes than the actual movie. Did. Well, we'll talk about that. OK, cool. We'll talk about that. But let's let's start. Let's start with um, Nigel this time, because. I want to get everybody's overall thoughts. Like if you were in a, if we were having an elevator conversation and somebody said, was Ant-Man three good in two sentences or less? How would you feel? Um, It was a very good movie. Um, Not the best, but definitely the best Ant-Man movie, which Mm. isn't that hard to do, but still was great and the best part about it was drum roll Jonathan Majors yeah crazy thought crazy thought I can't believe you (laughs) Spider talk to us I mean I would probably have to say it was a good movie um it kept my attention for it being an Ant-Man movie Mm. with Ant-Man not being one of my top Marvel characters ever um so it was it was a good movie I will say Jonathan Majors playing Kang again stole the show from a lot of people. Um, it is a, I would have to say, with it being a good movie, if you are following the Marvel line to end my elevator speech, it's one of those you have to go see it. Like, with before everything else comes out, you would, in my personal take, you'd have to go see it. Yeah, I miss watching Ant Man 2 until. What after certain other movies because like okay I gotta watch it now just because I wasn't in a rush to see Ant-Man 2 this would be the one I'd have to say you're in a rush to go see it but it's not going to be a waste of your time hmm. okay high praise Kendall yeah for me um, kind of agree with the what seems to be a consensus here I thought it was a really good movie man um, it's for me it's not even close in terms of Ant-Man 1, 2 and this being 3 It's it's well above that like mm-hmm. if I just throw numbers out there, if Ant Man's one and two were a um, 
a five and a six. I gave this actual movie an eight. Um, I, I enjoyed it from, from start to finish. And I felt like it kind of, for me, made me kind of care about the Ant family. Um, and I didn't really in those previous movies. Um, like I was just telling someone that I don't even really remember what happened in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I had to actually dig deep to think about the plot of that movie, but this one was was cool. I think it was a nice way to give Ant-Man some relevance in it being not only the first movie in Phase 5, but introducing such a massive villain into the MCU. Hmm. Babe. Um, of the most recent, I think, Marvel films... Because what, what was the one that came out pr- most recently to this? Would that have been Multiverse oh, Madness? No, that was that oh, was Wakanda. Wakanda Forever. Okay. And then before that was Multiverse of okay. Madness. So, and before that never was, mind. Yeah. Wakanda Forever definitely kicks its ass. Um, but I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania far better than Multiverse of Madness. Um, I would say definitely go see it for Jonathan Majors. Like, that was the big draw for me. Um, but weirdly enough i feel like he wasn't in it as much as he, i mean okay never mind he was the villain right so the titular characters have to be in it like yeah. we got to be following them but yeah i thought it was good i was very entertained um and i agree with everyone it's the best ant-man yet so with that said let's go directly into our characters breakdown because i know everyone has their favorite character here and kang notwithstanding we'll come back to kang who really stood out to everyone who wasn't King? And I'm going to go first because I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer was mm-hmm. outstanding yeah. in this movie. Um, Janet Van Dyne, she played a perfect amount of that, like, cursed. Um, you, you know, she's cursed by her past. She was down there for 30 years. Yeah, Some shit happened. Crazy. And you can see the trauma. And you can see the fear and the way that Michelle Pfeiffer played that throughout. It's like, yo, I really don't want to even talk about this because of what I've seen. You know what I mean? And then to that point in the film where we got the portion where she did see all the things that kind of like changed her mind about Kang and ultimately changed her life. Like to made her be like, oh, no, I can't leave here if that means he gets to get out. And she had so much of that nuance within her performance. I thought she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anybody else? Any other characters? We can talk about Kang if that's who I, I want to talk about. <laughs> well, but no, I just wanted I, to I, throw I, in I, Michelle I Pfeiffer wanna, real quick. Want to echo what you're saying about Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, she yeah she was definitely phenomenal. Um, I can't say I'm necessarily a fan of Michelle Pfeiffer, so I I can't name I can't even name two works uh, of hers to be honest. Batman Returns. White. White Oleander, um, the she was Catwoman, yeah. so she was over on DC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then she was also in uh, What Lies Beneath. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I first yeah. of all, I love me some Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer right. is like one of those like 90s movie everywhere woman. Like, she was this here's she, that ice cold Michelle Pfeiffer, that yeah. white gold. Yeah. She still looks good. I said that yeah. in the theater. I was like, damn, Michelle. Um, so, so for me, you know, not necessarily being as familiar with her and her works, I was kind of blown away by her role. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was ne- necessary because in um, Ant Man and the Wasp, 
she didn't get a lot of screen time because obviously she had gotten rescued toward the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was really cool for her to kind of get that shine a little bit. Um, and I felt like she, like her presence was cool. It was like a glue, like, you know, you could tell that that Hank, he, he kind of got back into it. And, um, you know, like obviously Hope having her mother back and uh, even Cassie kind of like having like a, another grandmother figure now. Yeah. Um, it was really cool to see that kind of ant family unit. The ant family. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I hate to say it, but in terms of who surprised me, and that was the thing with the Ant-Man movies, I would have to say Paul Rudd in this one was a different Scott Lang from the first one and the second one. Like I felt the first two, he was always trying to be that comic relief person in the movie in terms of keeping it real lighthearted, keeping it real silly, fun, and playful when it came to him being, you know, Ant-Man. Like, you know, the way the movie starts out with him being, you know, really charismatic and comical, I'm about myself and stuff like that. But throughout the movie, I want to say they gave him for his character a little bit more character development giving him something more to care about within this one mm-hmm. than the other one so i think for that role for him it kind of kept me in the movie because again the other ant-man movies uh, i could i could do without like i really didn't need to see them to know what was going on within the mcu for that so with that being said his character development with in this movie capture my attention more than anything else i could care not to say i could care less for paul rudd just ant-man himself i can do without so for him to develop it a little bit more kept me in it yeah mm-hmm. uh, real quick I, uh, can i interject something real, real quick nigel sorry um does anybody else feel like um the line that they use in the trailer um where, where uh, ant-man is like um i don't need to win uh or i don't need to Wait, what's the line? He's like, he's like, um, I don't need to, I don't win. Need to win. We just both have to lose. Yeah. I felt like that line. I wish they didn't have it in the trailer because I felt like if he, if we had to just experience that for the first time, that would have been like kind of like a oh man, like this whole moment. Yeah, yeah. Ant Man is most, most, which is why I go media dark on trailers. I, this is my first. Time yeah, I was gonna say trailer. that was my first time seeing it. I wasn't media dark, but also yeah. I don't think I really cared about this movie enough to retain anything from the trailer besides knowing that Jonathan Majors was in it. So yeah, the funny thing I that I do is um, the trailer that we play during the show is the only trailer that I've watched. Oh wow! So I didn't yeah. actually see the trailer where that line was in it so it was it was pretty impactful to me what were you about to say Nigel I was gonna say normally I wouldn't care about an Ant-Man movie either (laughs) but um knowing about what Kang is and what they can do with him and Jonathan Majors I was like yeah I'm not watching anything um but the character that actually was most entertaining to me was Phil Mellis for for two reasons who do you say? One, Bill Murray. I love random cameos, and two, it was just hilarious. I yeah. will say he did a good job, but I know there was a com- there was some controversy about him being in the movie because um, I think some things had come out about him being uh, well. I think from years ago we had already known that he was he's kind of an abusive spouse. Uh, he oh. put the paws on one of his one of his wives. It was like in oh. the paper and everything. This was years oh, and years ago, but I think Damn. that had. 
as things do, it resurfaced and people were like, oh, we're going to have an abuser in the film. And then it went away. It was real quiet again. Um, I mean, the serious answer for who I thought had the most impact or who was like, I found the most interesting would probably be besides Kang. Cause I, I feel like we'll all talk about that later would be, I would agree with Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, I liked the seriousness she brought to the role because I feel like everybody else was a little bit more jokey jokey, um, especially between um, Pim and uh, between Ant-Man and kind of the daughter too. Like she tried to be serious with her little activism and stuff, but she seemed a bit silly. Um, but on a silly note, the character that I kind of liked the most was um, the ooze guy that was like very uh, interested in everybody's holes. <laughs> that was funny. I love that guy. Yeah. So funny thing, I don't know if anyone else knew this, but um, the character that was in um, uh, Scott's crew, um, he played. Um, oh shoot! It wasn't Ti's character, and it wasn't uh, Luis. It was the third guy, the Russian guy. Yeah. He voiced. He voiced Ved. Oh, okay. Awesome. Good for him. So he's I think the that, that yeah, I was gonna. I think that really Marvel, if they were smart, now that Stan is gone, should bring Luis back to do like summaries. Is that of Michael all, Pena? Is it Michael, Michael Pena? Yeah. Pena. yeah. Like, Morgan was really upset that he wasn't in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, bring bring him Gosh, back to do up. like a. He should be. A oh, cameo. his storytelling is just mm, perfect. Here, I don't know. We were talking about him on another episode. We were talking about his storytelling. And I was just like, he seems like the type of guy that you would want to hang out with. Because he did, like, really fun shit. He was going to, like, gallery openings and doing all types of, like, random shit. Very fun. Okay. Can I I chime in now on characters that kind of underwhelmed me? Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Um, I'm going to start with the first one. And this is a a, a two-part answer. But I'm going to say MODOK. Absolutely. He he underwhelmed me because I feel like they kind of made him a joke by the end of the movie. Yeah, um, I felt like they made him a joke in the beginning of the movie. Start. Yeah, 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 and, and it's like his his character. You know, they, they obviously they changed his origin a little bit. He was Darren Cross now. Um, I feel like what was he actually here for? He was basically just kind of a plot device. Fan service. Uh, I was actually fine with them until they made that weird turn at the end, where all of a sudden he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, uh, not a big fan of that. Um, but the you didn't want to keep being a dick, right? I'm like, come on, y'all, that was corny. The second part of my answer is, I kind of understand it though, because Modok from the comics is kind of, kind of a ridiculous character. So I can't be too harsh on it because I'm like, let's be real, he's a floating head in Marvel comics. How seriously can you take this? Character? I can, I can see that take, but also. I feel like he is ridiculous, but he's also menacing. And I didn't get the menacing. Like, it just seemed like we knew none of his shots were hit. We knew that he wasn't going to be consequential. And then the CGI was just like laughably bad. Like, like laughably bad. I'm thinking I would have to say that would have to be intentional for him. Like, in the comics, Modoc is a menacing character. People are fearful of him because of his smarts and the fact that, you know, his technology that comes with his suit. And they tried to give you that up front before they showed you that it was Darren Cross. Like they they tried to give you, 
oh snap it's Modoc, and then it's ha ha it's darren so that goes into the play with how some of the ant-man movies kind of kind of play with certain things so it's like i get the twofold of it he was an underwhelming character but then it was like we got to give somebody a comic relief somewhere because they're making everybody so serious and that's the one that they chose to do it i just didn't like that they chose to do it again with another villain from mcu from marvel that could sustain the time like he he could have been a recurring yeah. entity if they did it correctly but they kind of just made him real real cheeky like we got to bring somebody back for fan service that's kind of how i felt like how do we explain darren cross being in this movie this is how they did it i like how the first two ant-man movies were so bad that they had to do a 15 second flashback to let you know who he was oh yeah yeah. I, re- I forgot about everybody's, that. Everybody's everybody's like, like Darren? Darren? <laughs> and then they showed you, oh, the Bumble. And that's the vibe about it. They referred to him as the Bumblebee guy. Like that's oh, yeah. how well, she said she like, got how bad it was. They referred to him to his character before was the Bumblebee guy. So it's just uh, I also feel like he was holding still a a little bit of a vendetta, a vendetta for a six year old girl. Like, come on, dude, you're you're still trying to kill a six like at this yeah. point, it was kind of it was kind of weird. Yeah, that was definitely a letdown because Modoc could have been better served in a different movie. Well, they kind of hyped him up too because they were like, "Oh yeah, he's like this expert assassin that always gets his man, and he's like part man, part machine, or whatever." And oh yeah, your family's probably this, dead. Like it's, it's just like yeah. no, guy. we know Baby you have eggs. the aim of a stormtrooper. Like we, you're not. You're not you're not serious. I mean that so. is she I don't know if she's random. Who was that character that was like basically like turning people into subatomic particles with her staff? Is she like a oh, person that's Jintara, uh, the leader of the, the resistance? Yeah. Is she like a person that's important in Marvel? I don't know. Not really. I didn't do any research on her. I'm not sure. Okay. She seemed more menacing than him. Well, yeah, and she was, was like, oh, there's a background she character. She was a good guy. Right. <laughs> Yeah, she was able. She was uh, competent. She was dangerous. She, had a plan. she was deadly. Yeah, right. Fresh out the fresh out the pen. Right. Like, all right, here's what we gonna do. Yeah, I mean, um, they tried to demonstrate Modoc's competence in the beginning when he was wiping everybody out, but then they just took that away. And he couldn't. He was a cartoon character. Yeah, I did I know that? And then he spent the whole last act chasing Cassie instead of helping his army. I'm like, wow. that was my that was my thing with the vendetta with a six year old, like. Dude, there's other things you could have been doing. Yeah. My my second answer was of characters I was underwhelmed with. This might not be a popular one, but I'm gonna say Cassie. Um and the reason I say this is because one, I actually had a problem with her character before this movie even started, before anything was even filmed. Because I felt like the way that Marvel recasted her was was a little shady and weird. Like, if y'all knew that y'all wanted to bring Cassie Lang, a.k.a. Stature from the comics, in, why even cast a different actress in, in that one scene in Endgame? That didn't really make much sense to me, especially considering Endgame just came out three years ago, three, four years ago. Um, so that was my first problem. And then I don't feel like there was much purpose to her character in this movie other than to use her kind of youth and... Uh, uh, silliness as a way to drive the plot. Like 
they wouldn't have all even been there if she hadn't have been messing around with a, a quantum realm signal. Um, and another thing that I didn't like is when they did get to the quantum realm, I understand that they were trying to build her up as this like activist, like she's um, you know trying to to help people who are in uh, housing issues after the mm -hmm. blip. Um, but when they got to the quantum realm, she's like, no, dad, we need to help them. I'm like, y'all just got here. Y'all don't even know these people. Right. Like, can we can we use a little bit of logical thinking here? Um, yeah, that was pretty that was, stupid. Yeah, that, that was a problem. The, the two problems that I had with her character, um, the third thing being, if she's supposed to be in what seems like Marvel's building up to be a team of younger Avengers, mm -hmm. I, I don't really feel like I got enough from her to lead me to believe that she's going to be an interesting character. That might just be my opinion. Okay. No, it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a respectable opinion. I mean, I know why she was there without her. The movie doesn't move forward in terms of building the signal that got them even sucked into the quantum realm. The fact that without her, you don't see that grow from her dad. Because she was really trying to push the, if you're a superhero, you should do everything for everyone. Like she was pushing that the whole time with her being, you know, an activist and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, without that push from her, you don't get other things to drive the plot along. But I do understand where you're coming from. Like, hey, we got here. Let's try to find our family and be out. Like, let's not even get involved in certain things because... How, who knows how much involvement we're going to get into this, how it can affect other things. So it's like kind of one of those chill kid, like relax, let adults figure this thing out and go from there. I, I so wish, you have a, you have a I point wish, there. I wish there would have been a line where Scott said that. Like, not, not. I mean, we got a phrase amongst our culture, stay out of grown folk business. I was about to, I was about to say that. That's where, I think that's where our, our thoughts were coming from with that too, because I can see me telling my son that ain't none of our business, let's keep going. Like this. Yeah. Let's, I don't need to be a rubbernecker in this. Let's get to what we got to get done and just keep pushing. So I can see that coming out with why you're like, she's an underwhelming character coming from that. Because if she kept her mouth shut, kept her mind her own business, that movie would have ended, what, 30 minutes before I she mean, moved, So I, I, I yeah. would agree in the sense that, yes, there are a bunch of plot points that we could be like, if only this happened and then the credits were right. like, but ultimately what i appreciate and this is just a foil um just to present a, a an alternate argument but she was she she was scott's heart she was his motivation to spider's point we've heard so much about how cassie mean how much cassie means to scott and now we were able to see in demonstrable situations and scenarios what he's willing to sacrifice for her um because she was an active participant now, was she annoying? Absolutely. Was she idealistic? Absolutely. Kids be like that. But also, she was able and she was somewhat competent. She was very intelligent. She built that thing to send a signal down into the quantum realm. And of course, she had no semblance of an idea that there was actual danger down there. Janet never told them. So she was just in the garage doing a science project, which is what kids do. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see both sides of it, but it was nice for a change to actually see some stakes for Scott that were actually active. Because up to this point, Cassie has always been a motivation somewhere. Like she's, yeah. oh, well, I got to do this for my daughter. Like, okay, well, where is she? But at least now. 
this we might be a see really it. dark take, but y'all know that scene where um you know Kang went to go visit Cassie and Scott in their cells to basically, I mean he I, w- I would say negotiation, but that wasn't no negotiation. Kang was like, you need to do this or else this is gonna happen. Yeah, he was playing um, hardball. <laughs> yeah. So, does anybody else feel like it would have been more impactful if he had went through with what his threat was, which is I'll kill your daughter and make you watch over and over again? I feel like he should have just did it. Just to let him know, this is what is going to happen. Marvel not going to kill no kids. I don't know about killing. And then also, yeah, it is Marvel. I would have said he should have, like, maimed her or something. Like, crippled her a little bit. He twisted her arm. Yeah, but not really. She was still able to use it. Like, rip that drone off. Like, just have, like, some, like, I don't know, Scott, maybe just show his face watching. uh, And just, like, have, like, you know, different, I don't know, backgrounds or shading to show that it's happening over and over. And then just show him breaking to the point that he does it. I think that that would have really been dope for his character. That would have been cool. I, like so a, on that same token, I don't agree that that's where that they should have gone further. Honestly, I feel like Scott should have died at the end. Just far enough. I agree with that. I, yeah, I feel like King should point have point. actually have killed him. Solid way to move it forward as well. Yeah. yeah think if that would have happened it would have rang true to him saying he's killed all the other avengers because mm. it's not like he doesn't know who he is it's just more so from kang from all the other universes that he's done he's probably killed ant-man more times than he can count yeah, but in terms of the significance of ant-man to him it wouldn't have you know the way he was saying it it meant nothing to him so him scott actually dying at the end of that would have made it like Oh yeah, he's probably killed every single Avenger, including you. Like so, that kind of would have made, you know, a little bit more impact to that as well. And I felt this like we could have gotten aside. more. Go ahead, Nigel. Uh, this is an aside, but my favorite two-second snippet of the movie is when Scott hit him with a two-piece, came, looked at him, and shrugged, and then went back to work. <laughs> Beat his ass. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no way that Scott wins that one v one. Like, yeah, there is a- and, and part of me was more upset that we didn't get more flashes or more like short scenes of Kang just soloing the Avengers. Like, like yeah. let's let's show how dangerous he is. He said, "Oh yeah, Thor, I've killed him." Is that the one with the yeah? Like, let's one see it. Yeah. Let's see it. And um, I, I feel like they kind of you know dropped the ball on giving us that. Um, look at how competent of a conqueror he was in all these different timelines. Well, I'm okay. guessing in what, Loki 2 then? They're going to introduce him even more? Well, ooh, I'm jumping ahead of things. Well, Never mind. Let's, let's get into it, babe. <laughs> let's get into it. We're all into the MCU. So, how much do y'all say on a scale from 1 to 10 Loki season 1 is required reading for this movie and ultimately phase five. I say, uh, would, yeah. I'd say two. Two? Really? Um, yes, because Loki season one essentially explains why the multiverse, why the multiverse exists uh, when it didn't used to in, Mar- in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And also it introduces you to Kang. All that's really dope, but is it necessary to understand what's going on? No because I feel like audiences have been introduced to multiverse in so many various iterations that you could just say, oh, there's a multiverse, here's what's happening. Um, And people would 
just kind of get the gist of it. I disagree in the sense that Loki set the precedent and explained the rules of Marvel's multiverse. And really, it's not even multiverse. There is a multiverse, but we're not even talking about that. Right now, we're talking about timelines. We're talking about multiple timelines and the Kang war for those timelines. So, Multiverse of Madness... If y'all well, know me, I wasn't terribly so impressed by that. We're on Universe of Madness. It shouldn't have been. Say, it should have been called Wanda too. Yeah, um yeah. but like I'll say for for Loki being a you need to watch it I say yes. I give it the ten go watch it. Ten out of ten you gotta watch it for this because there's three parts in the movie where they're talking about the actual different timelines. When you actually learn when when uh when Janice really learned like who Kang was, he talked about the different timelines, the different multiverse. Like he kinda explained it when he turned his uh when he turned his chair on. So you kinda see that that other visual from season one of Loki when you get to him talking about back in the actual uh when he's in his citadel in his army he's explaining it more he's like we didn't get to touch base on what you actually saw when you touched my mind so he's diving into it more where he's like i know what's gonna happen i need to get out of here and there's a particular reason in loki season one that's what he who remains was basically talking about how he knows what's gonna happen he's here for a particular reason he felt as though he was the one that was going to basically stop everything that was going on that's why he mm. needed to stay there so knowing that you have those two iterations of Kang thinking that they should have been the ones to succeed they should still be alive they should be able to do what they want because kill a kill a few million to save a few trillion is kind of how their brains and their thought processes was going even at you know the end of the movie with the end credit scenes not knowing what was going on in Loki that kind of like will put you in a where did this come from how did we get to that point now i have to go back and look at it especially seeing the other part of the season two trailer so it's like how did we get to this point so i feel like if you miss that you're really questioning how we got to this point of why these characters even matter mm-hmm. see that's why i disagree um you basically just explained everything that you need to know in a minute <laughs> And I feel like Ant-Man did the exact same thing. So yes, go see Loki. It's a it's a very dope, it, it may be the best uh, Marvel TV series thus far, but in terms of needing to see it, I don't think so because you can explain everything so quickly. And because people are used to what a multiverse is, they can adapt to that explanation. And they did it perfectly in Ant-Man, I think. They mm-hmm. said, all right, there, there are all these Kangs, they're all super powerful. And they're going to cause some crap that's going to start causing incursions, which means that universes are going to collide, wiping each other out. And Kang was like, yo, I got to get out so I can stop this. And I guess he thinks he's going to be immortal, but that's the beautiful thing about Kang. He may not even be the one who's going to become immortal. Maybe I it's the one who was seemingly Rama Tut. I think so Loki. One, but what's an incursion? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He said that. He said, wait, 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 wait. What'd you say? What'd you well, say, no, I think. I think Loki and what if 
are both necessary not mm. only for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania but for a lot of the movies that are coming out because you're starting to see where the threads connect but additionally with that because I think part of at least from the background information that we've been getting in like YouTube videos to support what we've watched um, I feel like uh, well also when, in Loki 1 you meet Ravana who is pretty important specifically to Kang Yeah, uh, like his basic full on motivation for everything which I guess as we go on we'll probably see that and if you're a Marvel fan I don't know if anybody caught this but there was a line that Kang said he didn't directly say it but he mentioned that something is why he's so mad because he lost something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm thinking that that could possibly be him referring to Ravona Rensselaer. Well, mm-hmm. in the comics, that's a large part of his... And the reason why she gets to exist, why she can only exist outside of time. Hmm. So I yeah, think I think it's important. Killed, right? but yeah, yeah, no I matter what he does. With that because it's, it's one thing to have love as a motivation, but to, to have it as your only motivation for doing the types of things that Kang does for generations... But I why? Think that it's Ant-Man's motivation for why he okay, won. So... I about Ant-Man's, to say Ant Man's like forty. Kang is a billion years old. So Kang Kang okay, well, then look Kang, at the part of what Kang is, he has existed so long he can't remember many of his lifetimes. Okay. So well, I guess she made that like big that of an impression. Sometimes you never forget your toxic ex. Yeah, sometimes sometimes well, the coochie so, is that good, fam. I got to concur with that because, well, I got to retort that because if you're going to say that, then look at Thanos' original plot for what he did. In comic lore, not MCU lore, they changed a little bit more, but in comic lore, he only did what he did yeah. for Lady Death. Yeah. He, he did everything he did for her to prove that he could do it to prove his love to prove that what he was going to do made sense to her so she would accept him so that motivation to do certain things can really be very powerful if the gucci is good enough so you know i can't i can't say that you know kang's love for his woman isn't like isn't a driving force orgasms the little death in French, yeah. <laughs> one, one really interesting theory that I saw is that Kang, the one we saw in this movie, is actually the entity that will become He Who Remains. Like, He Who Remains is ultimately who Kang will become if he continues on his destined trajectory, so to speak. Because I mean, I think, think there's so many ways. Because the way that time yeah. works, yeah. and he just uh, like lost his fucking mind, and that's who Loki met. Is that what happened? Well, is that, that what no, we're that supposed is, to infer from the movie? So, I, I think know, the one in the movie is I have dead. A, I have a theory. So, but we don't know when Loki what, happened. In so, so everybody thinks that this version of Kang is dead, including the other Kangs. But what if he got sucked into a lower tier realm than the quantum realm? And he is because of this. He's becoming even more powerful than he already was. Hmm. And he comes out and just wrecks things. And at the end of this phase, everything gets reset, and we're basically back to Loki one. I mean, I mean that's, that's possible too. He, he literally told. He said, "If you do this, here's exactly what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen? Yeah. Um, 
And to that, are you point, talking about Loki? Um, yes, and Loki. Uh, he who Rain said that. Um, yeah. To that point, um, possibly, what if um, Kang, him getting sucked into wherever he did, like say he's not dead, say that's literally how he discovers Eliath and weaponizes Eliath and uses Eliath to defeat the Council of Kangs and eventually becomes he who remains. It's just, it's they, they keep using this symbolism of circles um, repeatedly um, in both Loki and Quantumania. And it's very interesting. Um, one line that Ravona used um, right before she left in the season finale of Loki was, I'm going in search of free will because the conversation she was having with um, Owen Wilson's character, Morbius, Mobius, was Mobius, that Mobius, you know, she basically didn't know what the next step was. Everything she's always believed is a lie. Mm. So she's going to search of free will. I thought that was a really interesting line. And it could be yeah. You know what's funny about the sure. circle thing, which now that you brought that up, especially with Loki, because um, that can also be symbolized with that the world snake that's eating its tail, which is also either Ouroboros or Jormungandr. And in Viking mythology, Loki gave birth, birth to Jormungandr. To yeah. So interesting. Um, there's a lot of different theories and, and themes and that, that we can talk about. But here's here's the question for everybody. Here's my next question. Ant-Man as a as a series of films has been usually considered the film that doesn't really matter. Was Kevin Feige successful in making an Ant-Man film matter? I think Spider kind of alluded to her earlier, but what are the implications on the MCU from this movie? Whereas before we would see Ant-Man and be like, okay, I mean, that was a side mission. Where are we at now? I think for for me, I would say the stakes are pretty high for making Ant-Man now officially a movie that matters uh a titular character that actually you know matters we got multiverse of madness which was basically uh you know mom we 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 got that we we touched on what we saw a bunch of different universes in 30 seconds of him traveling through those different universes but we didn't touch on them we didn't understand the stakes and how important they were we got to see the return of a couple of characters with Professor X. We got to see fan, you know, Reed Richards. We, we got to see alternate universes of Captain America and stuff like that. That was cool, but did it really matter? Like at the end of that movie, what did it change to what's going on right now? Not a thing versus now the setup for what they're trying to do. We have all of these different Kangs and they showed it at the end of the movie. We have all of these different Kangs. We got three that look like they're at the pinnacle of everybody else. They ain't nobody touching these three individuals that are now coming to wreak havoc, that are coming mm-hmm. to wreck shit. And it's not like it's a, this is the next movie. There's going to be a continuous buildup like how Thanos was the big bad. They talked about him. We brought him up in one movie. They teased him. Then they teased him again. Then they showed him. So it was kind of like all the movies that had a Thanos reference in it made that movie more. It, it raised the stakes of it. You got to watch this movie because you don't you're not going to know what's going on in the next one because this is what they're talking about. This is that movie that set it apart to where you're bringing that big bad in the entire movie. But not only are you bringing that big bad in the entire movie you're setting up other big bads that are just like him for 
other movies and it's starting with ant-man so if you miss this one and then they talk about kang again you're like well wait where did kang come from you've got to watch this one even if you watch loki that's cool he who shall remains they didn't really call his name being kang until like really the end of it but it was one of those series in terms of the movie it was like oh shit this is really important now like i gotta i gotta lock into this one before i go watch the next movie in the phase because now i'm interested to see what's going to happen next that's my take on it this was uh the i'll do it myself and credit scene on steroids <laughs> uh if i can piggyback off of what spider said for me the stakes when we get to the end of this movie are so high that i'm almost wondering if in these next projects they can match those kind of stake levels like for example you know in, in just the things that we have coming out um the rest of this year obviously you know we have loki um we have uh the marvels coming out we have guardians of the galaxy um secret invasion um iron heart uh, agatha coven of chaos I'm just kind of thinking about those projects coming up. I'm like, are y'all going to be able to match up to that level of Kang, that Kang threat, basically? Kang-esque. Yeah. It doesn't have to, though. Yeah. But, but but as me as a viewer, I, I now have a certain expectation. So why should I care about watching Ironheart now if I know the Council of Kangs is out there? Why do I yeah, care about but... Ironheart fighting a street-level fight against... Remember... Well, same thing about remember, Yeah, I was going to say, remember how they introduced Thanos. He was in the, the after credit scene of an Avengers movie, right? Yeah. That was the first time seeing him. We didn't see him again for like two, three movies. Mm-hmm. It, they're able to kind of you know sprinkle in the big bad. I thought that this movie was very consequential for introducing him and the possibilities of seeing him habitually moving forward are high. They could do that because there are just that many Kangs. But also, we may not see him for another four movies and that still be okay. Because remember, the way I'm looking at it right now is there's two ideas of the multiverse in play in Marvel right now. There's the actual multiverse and then there's the multiple timeline war which we can talk about multiversally, but it's really not. Multiverse of Madness was about multiverses. Kang is about timelines and Loki and those different types of things. So they can go on a complete side mission about multiverses and then come back for timelines with Kang, with the Kang Dynasty, which is the Avengers film. Like, and then you gotta think, it was smart of them to put this in one movie. Cause like you said, we saw Thanos in an Avenger movie. I'll do it myself. Oh, snap, Thanos. Then we're like, okay, I got to go watch the next movie because they're going to give me some more Thanos probably at the end of it. And they didn't. Okay, when's the next one they're going to give us some? So it's kind of like they're enticing you now mm-hmm. to go watch everything else because it's, it's Thanos. Is, is uh, Kane going to be in the next project? Is this yeah. Kane going to be in this one? Are we going to talk about that? So it kind of gets you to kind of go watch certain things now in yeah, order think, to really see what's going to happen next. Anticipation to what Courtney right. is saying. Um, but don't let that anticipation negatively color your experience of other mm-hmm. films that yeah. aren't necessarily geared towards that. I mean, and and, and, that, and that's my biggest thing, because me, I, I have a different perspective, or, or I should say we. 
I'm going to watch every Marvel project regardless. So for me, having that kind of expectation, and you know, if I sit down and watch these series and movies that are coming out, and Kang doesn't show up, I'm like, oh, okay. So I kind of have to change how I look forward to it a little bit. Okay, so let's theorize. Well, I get that too, because one thing I was wondering how they're going to, I don't even know if they're ever going to touch like the Eternals as well. Cause like what's going on with them and how they um, introduced is it Eros? Cause everyone was all like yeah. excited about that. Pay are they ever brother. gonna, are they ever gonna intersect or like, but, and that's another thing that's going and on how's now. how's Kang going to like, affect them? Like it's a bunch of stuff going on. There is the Eternals and the Celestials, right? Then yeah. we got that going on. We got multiverses going on. We got multiple timelines going on. The MCU yeah, is planting seeds for be able to do a whole bunch of shit. Here's the curveball that I want to ask y'all about. Because all of us who read these comics know that Kang is actually a distant descendant of who? Reed Richards. Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Sue Storm, excuse me. So we got to go back and introduce the Fantastic Four because old great 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 grandson is here. Where are where are his, his ancestors? Else? Yo, in the uh, in the timeline where Wanda killed the uh, the, um, uh, the Illuminati, the Illuminati, she killed Reed Richards, but she asked if uh, he had a, a kid. Yep, and he did. So that kid is gonna go on to eventually lead down the um the generation to create a Kang in that universe. That was just a random aside. Yeah. Hmm. No, this is a good pull plug in there. Like that's not random because of what the question was. And it's like I think that's where this comes of an importance because now with the way they did this movie and now with Disney owning basically all Marvel properties, they have all the characters they have all the building blocks, all the Lego pieces to put together to now intro certain people the right way because of the way they're setting these things up. And I think that's where the interesting thing comes from, from Quantumania, like come coming from this, because it's, yeah. you can now, you can bring characters in just based off of Kang. And it sounds, it sounds crazy that this one character can bring about so many now new changes into what they're doing with the MCU. You can bring in the Fantastic Four. Well, if you bring in the Fantastic Four, you can bring in certain characters that interacted with them from X-Men. You can bring in certain characters from other Marvel properties and stuff like that. You can tie in the internals. The internals mm -hmm. are trying to already tie in Blade. How is that gonna tie into that? So it, it brings, it, it starts to build certain pieces to a puzzle that we've always wanted and it just took to this point to do it and i think that's where my anticipation comes from with that to where now can all these different plot holes be filled with this one movie or the next movie can all these theories kind of come together and tie them to certain movies now with the way things are going yeah and that 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 whole discourse there is my answer to kendall's worry about stakes or not being able to be invested like bro there's so many things going on so many answers that we need mind y'all i don't know if they're still going to do it because feige has said that they're going to slow down on the disney plus series but y'all got to remember the scrolls are still out there yeah 
we could still do that was another secret big, invasion. That's another you know what big I mean? one. Like, Aren't they doing that with the uh, Nick Fury show? But that's what yeah, I'm saying. I don't know if they're still going to do it because of the amount of um, shows. I, I, I'll try to find the article and I'll put it I in the Discord. I so because I think Secret Invasion is going to be they? getting announced in the next couple of weeks as to when it's dropping because it's right, supposed to be Right, because there was a whole trailer about it. That's what I, I'm just saying. And low key, some of the best films have low stakes. Yeah. It's not always about the stakes. Sometimes it's do... about the characters. Sometimes it's about just how the plot Midnight is written. Sometimes it might just be what that that uh, I know what you're talking about. I don't think it's to the that. world. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think Ant Man was the kind of outlier where it's just like, bro, this movie wasn't great and it didn't even mean anything. You know what's funny though about that? Because like Ant Man is like one of the ones where are like, oh yeah, you're an Avenger, but like, you know, you're Ant Man. He still has three movies to Hawkeye's zero. And he got a show which was just like, rah. Not oh, the best. I couldn't stand that fucking show. Yeah, it yeah we're not going to talk about that show. We'll <sighs> we'll leave that on the. Uh, to, um, to, uh, to Courtney's point, um, to contrast the first two Ant Mans with this one, we could have just had Ant Man and Captain America and Endgame, same amount of screen time, exact same experience, and it would have still contributed the exact same amount to the MCU if those two Ant Man movies never existed. The only reason I'll disagree with that is because of the relevance of the quantum realm and how that's become a big theme in not only the plot of Endgame, but probably going forward. I agree yeah, I would that, agree. That 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 got introduced, I think, well enough in Endgame, and Ant-Man had already been introduced in Catman's Captain America Civil War. So the character's introduced in one movie, and let's pretend like the two Ant-Man movies didn't exist. Ant-Man has this little flashback where he comes back from the quantum realm after everybody gets dusted. And then we explain what happened from there. And then he meets up with Iron Man and they do their time travel thing. Would that have changed much of your, or any of your experience with the MCU if the Ant-Man movies didn't talk about that somewhat in the in the second one? I don't think it mm-hmm. talked about it in the first one at all. It's a fair question. I think it's gonna be interesting 20 years from now seeing people on youtube put together like these summaries of the mcu and like question for you how did they utilize anything from the quantum realm actually when they were doing their time travel no Uh, but they 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 were time traveling to get pin particles correct yeah yeah they were using a quantum tunnel the, the quantum realm was the device so you go in at one point you come out at another okay come out i was another, wondering right. why wouldn't have kang seen that wouldn't that mean something like what the fuck is going on well i think over. let's let's get into the after credit scenes right because the okay. first after credit scene brings us to the council of kings and the three main boys is basically like, yo, these folks is figuring out time travel. They could come after us. We need to so mobilize. You know I think funny? that's where I think that's where the the whole thing of them not needing to do anything, because at one point it wasn't a big thing. They weren't nowhere near in the knowledge and understanding that mm-hmm. this stuff existed for them it was this is my earth this is it and then it was like okay now there's aliens okay now there's people stronger than us okay so as things progress they're learning more about what can be done and what can't be done what's plausible what's not and then it's like 
okay, now they're a threat to us now. Let's 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 right. let's come in and start putting things back into an order to where they don't know anything about it. So that that is a good point there. The the other funny thing about it is the way if we go back in movies, because you were asking, did they do anything with the quantum realm? The way Iron Man, way Tony Stark figured out time travel in what, two nights? So for him to figure out time travel in two nights and then for them to actually utilize it and then for them to learn there's more down here in the quantum realm, they're like, okay, what else are they going to figure out in two nights? What else are they going to figure out pretty shortly? Let's step in. Yeah. And I think one of the main things about the quantum realm that helped out in Endgame was when Ant-Man came out of the quantum realm uh, or back from the blip, everybody was like, well, there was something about the quantum realm where they noticed that time worked differently. And that may have been what Iron Man and Bruce Banner used to figure out time travel. Because I know one one of the things that they were after in one of the scenes in Endgame was more PIM particles. They had to secure more PIM particles and they went back in time to that bunker in Jersey where uh, Tony's dad was to get the PIM particles. Was it the PIM particles or was it just the stone? Yeah. I thought they were just getting the It was the PIM particles and the stone. Okay. Yeah, PIM particles first and then the stone. They needed enough PIM particles to go get the To go get the... Right. Because the PIM particles were the gas for their time traveling efforts. Something I wonder if they'll address is the disparity in time travel capabilities. So as far as we know right now, the on the Avenger side, they can only time travel, but when they do, they end up in another timeline when they go back and forth through time. They can come back to their timeline, but when they travel back, it's to another timeline because they've affected it in a different way. But can the Kangs travel through times in a way where they can go wherever the hell they want? So if they wanted to go back in time in their own timeline, could they do that? So I think that's where the the technology that they all are able to control mm-hmm. because for them to banish him to the quantum realm, they already know that that place exists outside of space and time. So nothing that they do down there affects anything anywhere else in the entire multiverse anywhere else on the actual timelines kind of how the tva lives outside of all of that Mm -hmm. so everything that can happen in tva doesn't affect anything else so all their technology and things there of how they travel through time when they go back and forth it doesn't affect anything they're kind of resetting certain things with incursions and stuff so i think there's the two difference with with the time travel kang needed his chair to be able to go to different universes, different timelines, different things, and it not affecting him. That's why he kept saying that time isn't what you think to him because he can go anywhere he wants and doesn't matter where he lands or where he ends up. It doesn't affect him in any type of way, shape or form, but probably making him, you know, stronger, I guess. So that's my thought process behind it. So. So you just gave me a thought. What if the quantum realm or the subquantum realm that I made up in my head like an hour ago. <laughs> what if the TVA ends up existing in that space? Yeah. And Kang ends up, let's say it's the quantum realm. He ends up conquering all of the quantum realm, including the ants. And that's how the TVA is created. I can see that because I, I, 
I had thought that when they were like, well, he's dead. I don't think he's dead. I think he just got sucked in somewhere. And I can see where we don't know when Loki takes place in terms of how far into where we are. We know where Kevin Feige and everybody places it in, in phases, but in terms of chronological order, we don't know where Loki's events take place well, and how they are you, affecting. Before you continue, there is something information-wise that we can glean about the order chronologically of Loki, because we know that in order for the show Loki to start, Loki had to steal the Tesseract in the oh, yes. original Avengers movie and right. escaped into the I time. Mean, I mean, in terms of after that, so we know when it starts, but remember, Loki, the TVA is out of space and time. So stuff that happens there, we don't know where in the timeline, where in the multiverse, it's actually affecting things. Same thing with Kang being stuck in the quantum realm for all those years. We didn't know how much time elapsed hmm. on Earth. So if we just go with the Earth that we're in, we don't know how much time has elapsed for him being there. He could have well, been there for millennia. Years, right? Remember, huh? At least 30 years, because didn't he crash while... Well, it might yeah. not have so been a full 30 years, because Janet was there and already, he, and right. he can't... So, so maybe it was 10 years. Janet was yeah. You know? there. Yeah, Janet was there. He shows up. They were there for quite some time. Then Janet gets out. We at least know it was what five like years after that too. Twenty, because when he crashed, her hair was still like brown. Yeah, that's it hadn't true. Gone white yet. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So and then, and then he what gave it thirty years because she hooked up with uh Bill Murray's character, <laughs> which was kind of funny and hilarious. That was yeah. hilarious. I don't care. Nobody says. But it's like so them being down there in Earth years that long. But how long is it really? It doesn't. It doesn't affect anything else. So that's why I'm looking at. I can see where Nigel is saying when he got sucked into his own core, where did that really take him? Mm-hmm. It could have took him outside to where the TVA is, and that could have been it started. And that could be the theory where he is he who who he who remains because he's outside, he's by himself, he's telling the story of all the different kings. He told the story of them all fighting and things of that nature, and then him being here. So I can see where you're going with that sub realm that you just said you invented in your head I, I don't think that there's an answer to your question about loki and here's why um the events of loki um during the events of loki there is only a single timeline um and if a timeline happens to branch off it is immediately destroyed so all of these different timelines in the multiverse do not exist at this point at the end of loki when female loki kills immortal let's say he who remains um that's when the timelines start to branch off so it it it, there is no answer because it exists outside of everything and the events of that actually are the reason why everything exists in the first place but i feel like we also have that theme of circles because we could still say this is the king from ant-man the wops and and then he gets sucks in to that broken core and if that Mm -hmm. drops him into the same universe or area outside of time where the TVA exists if it's outside of time who knows how long in that outside of time he's there where he kind of lost his marbles and became he who remains and then Loki and them show up I feel like it's still kind of like a circle of he's here and things happen around him and 
he's like yeah. oh i know what's happening and what i need to do to like save everybody else or this whole yes, council of kings yeah are gonna yeah, they both had the same same goal they wanted one universe one continuous loop to keep going that was his ultimate goal that's why he was going through and destroying all the other different universes as he was going because he only wanted one that he controlled and, and that's he kind found of a what place to put his he, girlfriend in and that's kind of what he who remains was doing he was trying to keep everything to that one universe that one timeline well and keeping everything branched there but his motivations were a little different because remember he who remains his thing was i want to control the timeline so that more of me don't get out and start drawing because y'all don't want more of me don't right that's, that's kind of what he was saying too i knew what's going to happen that was basically the same thing that kang said kang was like he's like look yeah this continues all of me they're going to start a war and they're going to destroy Yo, everything i've seen what the, happens at the, the end. fact that none of them listens none of the ant-man characters listen to him when he was saying that he was like yo i'm bad there are hundreds thousands however many of me out there maybe an infinite number of me out there we're going to do some way worse stuff if y'all don't just chill out and let me get out of here they definitely just like glossed over it they were like he's talking shit what does it mean more but you kill a bunch of people no it's like everybody dies if you don't let me out of here (laughs) yeah but you gotta look at it too like they don't have the ability to perceive yeah like the concept of that like they're still kind of like like what like what are you saying fam give me my daughter back like you're you the ops that's something about the movie that bothered me the fact that he didn't just give his daughter back after he he got the um core the reassemble core it's like he could have just gave her back you know he knows he knows scott's motivation once he's out of the picture that's one less ant-man to deal with and then he just goes on about his way. I mean, the others can try to help, but I mean, Hank maybe never even interacts with his aunts if he doesn't go full on assault. And that, that's another another thing that bothered me. Why didn't he kill them? Kill who? He kills everybody who, who messes with him, but he decided not to kill the four who are the most dangerous in the entire quantum realm to him. Well, there's also he's, another he's plot hole in my mind, because like, you didn't see the ants coming like it was the one thing that he didn't prepare for right it was the one well, thing that he couldn't foresee well even for the ants remember scott almost scott ended up taking the whole thing down by himself uh when he went big he just like cannonballed into the the, yeah. the, the sky beam sphere thing um and destroyed it so he couldn't transport his army i don't know maybe he was so, a bad planner piss poor planner yeah. <laughs> And yeah. the final or thing that is that after that happens, he didn't just leave. Like ne- Negro, leave. What are you doing? He wanted. He wanted his army. He knew what he needed to help fight all well, himself. He well, his army more. was gone. His army was getting wrecked, and his transporter thing got destroyed. So just get in your ship and get on out of there. They're trapped. They well, it wasn't plugged up to his ship at that point. I mean, remember it was. It was plugged yeah, it up to that. To that mechanism to, to make else. everything be yeah. able to travel. Yeah, but he, he would have had to because because the Ant Man left, <laughs> the Ant Family left, the Ant Family. Yeah, nah. One of the, one of the biggest things that bugged me, and it was even before all of that that y'all just said, was when Hope and Janet and Hank were in the kind of the airship flying to. Where I knew he was gonna say it. I knew he was gonna say it. Signal right. 
Hope was, um, I'm sorry, Janet was telling Hope and, and Hank about who Kang is, what his origin is, and how she did this thing to prevent him from leaving. Why did she not tell Janet, or Hope, I'm sorry, I get their names confused. Why did she not tell Hope, do not help Scott shrink it because he'll be able to escape? That's a, the uh... first thing that Hope does is fly in and help him shrink it. Because he said that he had his daughter. So yeah. I think that was the reason why. I think if they didn't have Cassie, they wouldn't have helped. Yeah. I think that's what that whole thing was. Hope, Hope flew in to save Scott. And he was there trying to save Cassie. Cassie. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, all right, you know, the, all the possibility twins and the most annoying scene in MCU history. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, Baskin but Robin's Scott was funny. He was. But, I but enjoyed Grandma him a lot. Aunt, I think would have sacrificed all of them to not let Kang out. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think that it would have made sense for her to warn Hope and be like, "Yo, do not help him. Do not, don't do it." Like even if even if she would have helped anyway, just having that moment where she explains, like, if he gets out, trillions will die. If we have to die for that or get stuck here for that, so be it. So yeah, be it. but also that's not Janet's choice to make. That's Janet's choice to make for her, which is what she did. But if you know, like Scott was thinking about it in the movie, he's like, "But wait a minute, Kane was saying some real shit. Like, what if I just doomed everyone?" I, I did like that. Scene. That was my favorite. That was Scott funny. The movie. I, I like what really they like did with like the music, and they kind of zoomed in on him a little bit. He was like, "Wait a minute, but what if?" <laughs> and really my favorite part of the movie I loved the Kang who was a Kang like the head of the ho- the head of the Hoteps I was like no does he really well, have a feral that's, head on that's, that's comic accurate because yeah. there is a Kang that went back um, into um, history in Egypt and became a pharaoh and like yeah. ruled this society in Egypt for thousands of years. It was a lot for me. Easter egg that I didn't like... even know existed um, before I watched um, someone on Phase Zero pointed it out. Um, there was a kid. Um, you remember the kid in Moon Knight that he chased down? He was wearing a jacket, and on the back of his jacket it said Rama Tut and had a picture. I did not know that. I didn't know, I didn't know it either. Last, uh, from what I just saw, with a couple of things that on the YouTubers have been putting together. Uh, there was the the end credit scene was straight from the actual comics, like the way it ended. Yeah, from uh the different the different Kangs they showed their faces and stuff like right there at the end, like they ripped that straight from the comics in terms of you seeing the different versions, so you knew that stuff the was council. comic book accurate. They weren't just throwing yeah. different. Oh, let's throw this costume on. Let's throw this one on. Like a lot yeah. of that stuff was ripped straight from there for comic accuracy. Yeah. They did have the official comic comic accurate uh aesthetic of kang in one of the one of the um versions i don't know if y'all saw when they were zooming out to the crowd they had the one with the blue face oh yeah Yeah. yep i saw that one i thought i thought the kang in this movie was decently comic accurate as well once he got his suit like the visor yeah when he got his suit back there was also the frederick Douglass kang he was always shown as a white guy um in the comics yeah. Like when he wasn't when he wasn't a blue guy, he was always a white guy in the comics. So 
there, there are going to be people who say that's not coming. People are going to, you know. yeah, people are going to say, it, but they'll live. They'll They've married. had their time. Um, Ain't nobody trying to check yeah, down teenagers right now, because yeah. Nah. I will say though, um, Kendall Morgan may have a, she may have something there. We might not get the the full version of of a Doom, but there was a there was a Kang Doom. So, I'm hoping we like Victor Von Doom. It's not really, it's not him, but there was a version. There is a variant of Kang that took on that persona. Hmm. So after Morgan was talking about it, I had to go look it up, and I'm like, ah, oh, sugar, That's she might be weird. right. Weird, because if he's supposed it to be a be. descendant of so Reed it's Richards, not, and- so it's not really, it's not really Doom, the Doom that we know and love. Okay. But there is a variant of Kang that takes on the moniker of Doom. Yeah. Oh. I was gonna like say armor, like right. armor and everything like that. Yeah. So it's That's not be... it's not the Victor Von Doom that I'm hoping we get, but we may get a Kang variant of a Doom that may like I don't. It might happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but it might happen. It's like okay. the Batman Beyond version of um Doctor. Yeah. Doom. Let's yeah, do this. Like now. it's I was gonna be like, yeah, if their great great grandson is like got this crazy crush slash relationship with um what's her what's her name? Marana? Well, I mean there was this the one movie girl the who? from Fantastic Four. Sue Storm. Sue Storm. Sue Storm. Sue? Yeah. Like that. But I mean weird. there That's was this like one that. movie. It was called The Stupids, where he told uh, you how he's his own <laughs> grandpa. So I mean, I'm you know, my own grandpa. There's there's things that could happen in this world. Well, like Just... when Marty McFly, he almost became his own dad. Oh God! <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's do this because we can talk plot holes of time all day, every day. Let's go around. Uh, we'll start recording. Let's get some final thoughts and a score for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Final thoughts. Um, Oh wait, which Courtney? This Courtney, right? You're Spider. Yeah. I'm Courtney. Spider. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, final thoughts. Like I said, well, like everyone said, definitely the best Ant-Man, uh, mm-hmm. hands down. Uh, also, much better than um, Multiverse of Madness, which is crazy to me. But whatever, we won't go down that road. Um, I wanted to see, funnily enough, more Jonathan Majors, more Kang, uh, even though at the end there was a lot of him. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with it. It'd be cool if a lot of our theories ended up being true. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say with a lot of things, I was entertained. My score for, which is funny, for an Ant-Man movie, my score for it is like an 8.5. Solid. Sounds good. All right. All right I give go. it no dealer's choice. Okay. I will go with Kendall. <laughs> yeah. Um, I basically agree with almost everything you just said. Um, it was it was a good movie. Um, it as I mentioned earlier, kind of made me for the first time care about the Pym and the Van Dynes in mm-hmm. general. Um. And, you know, I'm excited for what could come. The one thing that we did say during our during this roundtable is that I feel like it would have been very impactful if Scott had died. 
in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of reasons. One, you know, the emotional impact, obviously, especially with that final fight he had with Kang. How huge would that have been if, like, that was like his, or at least what he thought would that have been, been like shocking a, as a hell. multiverse saving thing. Um, the second thing is, like, now it's going to be kind of crowded because uh, now you're going to have Ant-Man and the Wasp and Stature or whatever they decide her name is going to be. So does that kind of, like, they all do the same stuff. So that's why I kind of thought it would have made more sense to remove a Scott who is an original. Well, would we consider Scott an original adventure? I guess not. No. Um, but he's, you know, one of the more OGs. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of my, my biggest gripe. But aside from that, I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, this this saga, um, I'm, well, I don't even know why it's called the Multiverse Saga. Can we just call it the Kang Saga or the Jonathan Major Saga? For real. Let's call it Spade of Spade. <laughs> I, I, oh, I can't wait to see what they do next um, with the Council of Kings and all that. I'm, I'm super hype about it. Yeah. Who's next, Kendall? Oh, wait, but did you give a number rating? One oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I referenced it earlier, but I'm, I'm going to go with eight, 8 out of 10. Okay. Um, and let's see uh, Spider. So I'll start by saying again, good movie. Um, I might watch it again just because I know my fiance hasn't seen it yet, so it's an, it's good enough for me to go watch it again and not nice. be like I gotta sit through it. Like uh, I'll be interested to watch it again and then pick out the things that I missed. Um, you know, other like other movies, it has its plot holes that I want to fill with my own thoughts, my own iterations and, and theories and things of that nature. There, I will say, it did make me more. I'll say fear for of their future and how they develop as making me care for the ant family. Never thought I would say I care for an ant family. Um, so I'll, I'll give it that. It make me it made me care for the ant family. So that's why I give it a good movie. Like I, I got to piggyback off of Kendall as well, and others that said it. I think if Scott would have died, I think that would have. I, I hate to say a death would have pushed it to a ten. But I think the death of this character with the way they're setting up this stakes for a multiverse and how they're setting up the stage for the young Avengers and stuff like that, the movie would have given me a 10 rating instead I'm giving it an eight. It would have gave me a 10 if he would have died and if not died, been stuck in the quantum realm. So I'll say that if one of those two things would have happened, it would have really boosted that movie up a little more because it shows that they're not willing that they're willing to take that uh that extra step and kind of give you a little bit more than what you're used to seeing with some of the way they're doing their Marvel movies with keeping the heroes alive and stuff like that. So again, I give it an eight great movie. A couple of things I would have did if I was a different directing type, but that's where I go. So with that, I'll pass that down over to Nige. Um, So I try not to let my experience with the MCU in 2022 to color my perception of this movie, because if we pretend like uh, Black Panther 2 was just set aside, I thought that they were all awful. Um, so looking at that, and cause, because if you just look at 2022, it would have been a 10 out of 10. Um, but if we look at the movie itself, and how they were able to blend the Ant-Man goofiness with interesting drama and action. I would have initially have given it an eight or an 8.5, but some of the decision-making at the end of the movie brought it down to a seven for me. Oh, damn. That's fair. You didn't like so, the Marvel her? 
Huh? You didn't like Demar Demar her face for? What? You didn't like the the the, the Marv horror face four? You didn't like it? Oh no, not at all. No, I didn't like Spider Man. I didn't like uh, Multiverse of Madness. What else? I didn't like Thor. What else? Love and Blunder. Thor, Love and I was actually, I no. kind of liked it. No, I had fun well, watching no. it. One, 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 one movie I did like was the uh, Christmas special. That was fun. Gardens, Christmas oh, we still gotta watch it. Yeah. I watch it. It, it. I wouldn't call it good, but it's still it's Christmas special fun. So okay. just, you can't watch it with the, the the mentality that it's gonna be this crazy thing. It's just like, I, I said it wasn't good, but it was Christmas special fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Nice like Christmas saying, movies. Like remember? The Grinch. You enjoy the Grinch. That doesn't make it a good movie. Okay. Uh, Which I, one I, we talking I, about? I disagree with that. But y'all about to go <laughs> off on tangents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The movie was good. Okay. Um, I would also give it an eight. Um, I thought it was. I thought the CG was really good for a movie that was pretty much blue screen the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, people were making a big deal out of William Jackson Harper's casting, like he was going to be something more than just kind of a side character. I was actually kind of disappointed that they really didn't give him much to do. I, I do like him as an actor. That was uh, the guy that was like reading people's minds. Reading people's right? minds, yeah. From the good yeah. place and from love. Yeah, love life. Love life. Um, but yeah, eight solid eight, the best Ant Man movie by far. Like like we've all agreed to, and you know I think it's really one of those things where Marvel kind of loses steam sometimes with their sequels, but I think Ant Man has gotten progressively better two's main issue wasn't that it was a bad movie it just didn't matter and i think that was the large issue with one as well so they gave ant-man something to do that mattered tied it into some very compelling storylines and yeah i'm 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 here for it i do wish he would have died i think that that would have been able to set up a nice um a nice thing with the avengers like oh this this dude killed scott you know what I mean? And now we got to go after him or something like that. I don't know. There was some opportunities. They didn't take it. So it's an eight. Okay. Bottom line, Jonathan Majors is great. Yeah. I think we're all a consensus <laughs> of that. Yeah. I mean, I think he was the biggest draw for the movie. So, you know, boom. You know what I'm interested in? Meeting the different Kings and seeing how the performance changes with those. each yeah. one. Yeah. Because he who remains yeah. and this king were not the same guy. Yeah, I no, mean, but I think that they were, seen. though. Like, I think he just, yeah. like, lost his mind because it was fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just what we've seen with he who remains and Kang in this movie, and just in that short scene, the scene couldn't have been more than three minutes long, he portrayed three distinctly different, three different people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, I'm excited Ford, for that. You remember that one Kang that was in the audience that was like really excited that the Kangs were there? He yeah. was like losing his fucking mind. Like, yo, relax, dude. Maybe that's how yeah. his species communicates. They just... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but all right, y'all, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to go around finally, and if y'all got any initiatives any social media anything like that and y'all want people to find you um you know pump yourself up and we will begin with nigel um well kendall and i are actually starting um a travel blog uh called blurred point so 
You can follow the socials now. They don't have any content, but uh, they'll be active very soon. And the website is set to launch in the next couple of weeks. Also, blurpoints.com. That's B-L-E-R-D. If you don't know what a blurred is, ask about. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, to echo what Nigel said, um, all that good stuff, um, please follow us. Um, we got some dope content. If anybody is into credit card rewards, travel, how to maximize your spending and go places for free, please check us out. Um, personally, you can hit me up, guy underscore KG on all socials if you're so inclined. Spider? Um, I would have to get my two self plugs. So one of those being the way the world is going now with health and wellness. Um, I have my my fitness page at uh, at Fit for Life Movement, and that four is with the number four not spelled out. Um, I would have to say there, you know, I'm not really an intimidating type of fitness person. You know, you'll see me there at the gym that I do work out, um, and that's called TR Fit Clubs. You can also look at that plug as well. That's where I actually work as a, a personal trainer slash coach. Um, fitness is a very important thing in our life right now, especially with our culture, with our community, where a lot of these things weren't taught to us growing up, where now it's, it's really impactful from healthy eating to working out and things of that nature. But for my other plug there, I would have to reference, you know, my brand here as I'm I'm wearing right here. It's called Spiders Royalty. You can find me on Instagram at spider, spiders underscore royalty there. Um, there you'll actually be able to get to my website for a lot of branding that I uh, that I wear religiously um, with with that, you know, us as black folks, us as our culture, you know, we were royalty from the very beginning. And I want everybody to understand you can still wear that inwards and outwards. And that's one of the reasons why I started that brand. So, you know, if you're looking for just T-shirts, hoodies, you know, even some active wear as well, it's there. It's just my little plug there. I love it. All my stuff is comfortable. So I'm always taking uh, different, uh, different uh, what's the word i'm looking for different critiques different customizations and things like that that you may want as well so just throwing it out there that's me in a nutshell uh, very comfortable clothing brand is we was kings oh you, you <laughs> beat me to it i was, I was, I was struggling not to do it i was like i want to do it i don't know if it's inappropriate that was a joke that was solid okay solid well, we appreciate all the homies for coming through for this Quantumania review. My name is Marshall. Y'all can find me at the Okami Council on all platforms that matter. If you can't find me, it's because I ain't there. So that's uh, what that is. Babe, where can they find your prettiness? Uh, well, I am Courtney, the Courtney. Mm. Don't get it twisted. No, mm. just kidding. Um, Neil Queen, Celine on everything. Um, yes, exactly. You're my variant, which is weird. Oh no. <laughs> My God. So anyway, uh, I hope y'all enjoy. Definitely hit us up. Uh anything that we might have missed, anything that we may have uh overlooked. Um and definitely hit us up with any of the Easter eggs that we may have missed as well. We didn't really talk a lot about Easter eggs except for the one thing that Kendall alluded to. But otherwise, y'all, that's all I got. Hope y'all are well. We'll see y'all next time.